This is a Whole Observatory podcast. Hello and welcome to Star Stuff. I am Cody Halfmoon and I am joined today by co-host Haley Osborne. Hello, everybody. Lowell senior educator Ariel Daniel. Hi. Um, and former Lowell educator and now physics teacher Victoria Gerges. Hello. Today, we're actually going to address a really serious topic that affects students everywhere and in all disciplines, academic burnout. Haley, I know this is one you've been looking forward to for a while. I have been. Yeah, some uh, some some personal uh, drawing some for some personal experience there. I'm assuming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to get into this and learn more about how you guys experienced academic burnout from a STEM perspective. Um, I did not pursue a master's degree or PhD or anything like that. And um, I always joke that whoever gave me the degree was a sucker because I was actually like English was my first language. So to get a degree <laughs> in English. like, <laughs> um, But yeah, I'm really excited to hear about what y'all have experienced. I'm going to let Haley start it off since this is more of a personal subject for you. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I'm going to ask some questions. We'll have Victoria answer first and then go on to Ariel. Uh, but starting off strong, what did you study in college? Um, I have a degree with a major in physics and a minor in math. I have a merged bachelor's degree in physics and astrophysics. Nice. Haley, do you want to answer the question too, since I'll probably be putting you on the spot a bit during this <laughs> episode? <laughs> Alrighty, sounds good. Um, I also have a bachelor's in physics with a minor in mathematics. Right. And here I was thinking physics was a part of the mathematic world, but you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like, I have I have a hot take where like. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. I say this all the time to people at Lowell who like, normally they're just like normal people who aren't like hardcore STEM majors or do STEM for their jobs, where I say astronomy is just applied physics and physics is just applied math. That's what I say. No, you're correct, I think. Yeah. I've heard really say that. Yeah, yeah, I actually said that on an episode with uh, Dr. Kyler King and uh, Dr. Joe Lama, and they fully agree as well. <laughs> yeah, I've had maybe it's just like a, maybe it's not the the serious physicsers that, <laughs> that, that get the oh, most offended that like by saying, that. <laughs> is that like saying that I have a major in English with a minor in grammar? Because like oh, writing is, is just. <laughs> not really because there's like different types of mathematics i guess and physics is just like applied calculus basically so <laughs> my minor in math included things like linear algebra which is also used in physics uh intro math to mathematical reasoning abstract algebra things like that 
And yeah, I think a lot of like math skills are really useful in physics mm-hmm. um, and astronomy. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like, and like, <clears throat> especially with uh, astronomy, like I'd be, I, the, the college that uh, I went to, we're, I'm in Flagstaff. I went to Northern Arizona University and uh, it's very, I think there might've been like four or five astronomy classes that I actually took. Everything else was physics and math, all those four and a half years. Um, (laughs) And like, it was once I like really understood something in physics and then, you know, the next semester or whatever, I'd uh, have like that same sort of topic, that physics topic in an astronomy class. And I was like, oh my God, now it makes so much sense because it was (laughs) a physics topic applied to something that I really, really liked. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why I always liked research um, because it took those classes and made it real. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you and I had very different experiences in research. I think so too. (laughs) I think we all had very different research experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get in it. Um, So let's talk about grad school. So um, who here went to grad school and what did you study in grad school? I sure did make a stab at grad school. Um, (laughs) I sure did. (laughs) So um, at the end of my bachelor's, um, everyone was kind of like pushing me almost to go to grad school. Like I felt like everybody was expecting me to, um, especially, well, not especially, but one of like my research mentor, um, and just like my classmates. Um, and so I applied to several grad schools and I ended up getting into my top choice, CU Boulder. Um, and so I went there um, and I'd heard great things about the program, about how they support students really well. Um, and yeah, so I, I felt pretty confident in my choice. Ariel? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I attempted to go to grad school. I, uh, applied, um, in 2020, I graduated in, I graduated with my bachelor's in December of 2020. Um, but, uh, I got no's from all of them. However, they all said things along the line of like, uh, oh, like we'll waive your fee for next year. We just don't have funding because of COVID. Um, And I sort of had the thought of like, you know, maybe I'll just wait this whole, you know, C word thing out. Uh, (laughs) I'll I'll get another uh, like year of, of job experience in. I'll look for possibly, I'll possibly look for like other research positions that like really interest me. Um, Just with my previous experience with research, I wasn't super passionate about it. Um, so originally, like I wanted to go to grad school for like the thing I did research in, because similar to what Vic was saying, like there's this strong push in academia, at least in like physics and like astrophysics of like, oh yeah, like your bachelor's degree is like not even the first step. Like you got to go and get a master's and a PhD and do a postdoc in some research thing. So I was like, yeah, that's just how it goes. That's like what everyone's supposed to do. Um, I'm also a first generation college student. So I had 
nothing to base my decisions off of, except for like what I heard from colleagues or <laughs> like things along those lines. Um, so I applied to uh, do research in the one research like realm that I had experience in. And then like in the middle of uh, my applications, I started thinking of like, maybe I actually don't want to do research in this thing. Maybe I want to do like maybe a master's in informal science education. But at that point in time, I'm like, well, I've got two more applications to send in. So whatever. But hey, you know, I didn't get into any. So it was both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just for context, what does is like, first of all, what does research look like for someone who's pursuing astronomy? Like, what does that really mean? Does, is that like analyzing other people's work or is that like more of an assistant or admin position or like, what does that look like when you start your research? And then is there a fear that you're pigeonholing yourself in something that maybe you're not, you realize you're not passionate about? Like, is there a pressure there to pick research that aligns with you? Yeah. So with, um, astronomy research, um, I specifically, did a uh, REU, which is research experience for undergrads. Um, So it's kind of like a summer internship type thing. Um, Because, and I did it, I think the summer before my senior year of college. And I know like in the, in physics and astrophysics, like in your undergrad, they push you to start research like your sophomore year. But I was thinking like, no, I'm an idiot. Like I can't do that. I can't do anything. So like, why would I immerse myself? No, um, no, no, but like everyone, like it's a common feeling. We'll talk about imposter syndrome. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, uh, research, it wasn't, it was like an astro REU, like a, an astronomy research experience, but my research was mostly in like electrical engineering. Um, for the most part, I, like I liked the hands-on thing. I liked being able to create something and then actually seeing it. I'm not a big fan of coding. Um, however, that's 99% of astronomy. <laughs> so most <laughs> like astronomy, do astronomy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> most astronomy like research is coding. Like most of the time, you're just making a program, analyzing data from a telescope using coding, using Python or Linux or Fortran or whatever. Um, but I, (laughs) and like all of the people in my research experience or research thingy, uh, they all were like in their offices, they're just coding all day. But like, I got to do something else at a desk all day. Wasn't the best, but I guess it was, I'd prefer that over coding. What does physics research look like specifically compared to uh, astronomy, Victoria? So it looks a lot different, I think, uh, depending on what realm you're in. So I went into my undergraduate thinking like, I want to be a theoretical physicist because that sounds cool. Um, And I actually applied to a bunch of theoretical REUs as well. Um, And I got rejected from all of them. Um, So I ended up picking up an experimental project um, uh, at NAU, which is where I also went. Um, And uh, 
I realized how much more fun experiment is than theory, um, at least to me. Um, because theory is actually very similar to astronomy in the fact or in the way that like you spend most of your time sitting in front of a computer typing away, running simulations, um, working out math by hand, uh, which still blows my mind uh, that we're that like people still do that for research. Um, but an experiment, it's very different. Um, like I spent most of my time in the lab, um, mixing solutions, like mixing things together, um, looking at things through microscopes, all kinds of microscopes too. Like I used a scanning electron microscope and a tunneling electron microscope. Um, and it was very hands-on. Um, and I could see a lot of the principles that I learned in class in the research um, that I did. Um, like one of my favorite projects was working with magnetic particles. And so I could see how they would align with the magnetic field, um, which was really, really cool. Um, but it's definitely a different like set of tasks. Overall, I feel like the culture is very similar. Um, like in physics, it's also, um, you're also pushed into like, you know, oh, your bachelor's is just a drop in the bucket. Like yeah. you got to go on to do your PhD and like, um, Otherwise, you're not going to do anything with your degree, which, like, I don't know. I just agree with that. Like, there's plenty yeah. that you can do with bachelors. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a PhD isn't for everybody. Uh, Victoria, would you, like, consider your research kind of along the lines of, like, materials science? Um, yeah, it was sort of material science. Um, I still think of it more as, like, chemical physics. Um, uh, mm -hmm. That makes sense. With like applications nice. to what biology. Is, what is any of them? Um, <laughs> I know those words. I don't know them together. <laughs> yeah. So it's just what it sounds like. It's where chemistry and physics like line up and like intersect. Um, so it's like, like we use like chemical reactions to do things with physics. So like making particles move in like a directed manner. Like they're just like going in a set direction. Well, not a set direction, whatever direction they wanted. Um, but like they moved. <laughs> Moving things. Got it. Check. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> With chemical reactions in there. Ooh, fancy. Haley, what about, what about your research? Um, so... I had a little uh, bit of a weird kind of research background because I worked in three or four different labs uh, in my undergraduate career. So the first one uh, was actually astronomy research because I started off as astronomy and physics, and it was actually pencil and paper calculations. Um, so that one was a little weird because it was when I first started my degree, so I didn't really know anything. So. It was kind of confusing at the time, but I figured it out a little bit. Um, but then I decided that astronomy just kind of wasn't for me. So I switched to just physics and, uh, that's when I started getting really into optics. So at first that looked like working in, uh, something called a holography lab. And so what I was doing was just coding. I was working in MATLAB all day. That was all I did. Um, and it was basically, I was writing these codes to, um, 
take out the noise in pictures. So if a picture looked like fuzzy or had some weird overlay, I uh, wrote a code to like take that out so that you got a crisp picture out of it. And that also wasn't like super my forte. And so I branched out and I found a lab that I absolutely loved. I worked with uh, Dr. Ryan Behunin and uh, it was a photonics lab. So basically what I was studying was light sound interactions. Um, so like light matter interactions, which was really, really cool. At first I was, uh, just repairing the system. So I was doing, uh, kind of similar to what Ariel was doing in the sense that I was like making things, I guess. Um, but like very, very different things than what Ariel was making. Um, (laughs) uh, yeah, you were making rockets. I was making lasers. Um, (laughs) It's amazing how much of research is just fixing things, too. Oh, 100%. That was all I did for months. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, I started coding, and I was doing a very similar thing, except instead of uh, taking out, like, the background noise of a picture, I was taking out the background noise of a laser, so the the laser beam itself. Um, And then I ended up working with uh, Dr. Kyler Keene, who we've had on this podcast multiple times. And I was helping uh, build an instrument for our Lowell Discovery Telescope. But then I went on to go to grad school. And yeah, I had to drop all of my projects to work in labs there and to teach intro physics courses, so or intro physics labs. I've got to say, so I can't see, I can't really identify with the amount of pressure just based on what you guys are talking about. Um, like the most pressure I had was that I didn't want to be a teacher. I was an English major, but there's other stuff you can do. And it feels like just from you guys, like talking about your experience, there's so much pressure to like find what you want to do in that grad school period of your education And then if you get into it, I feel like that would almost be really scary. Like if you realize you're doing something and you don't like it, but you've put all this work into it and it's hard to like pivot. Uh, I'm just curious, like, is that kind of accurate? Yeah, I'd say that's very accurate. Sounds Um, terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like when I first went to grad school, I, I actually did perfectly fine socially. Um, Like the first two people I met, we're both amazing and like, we're still friends. Um, but I noticed a big difference between me and a lot of other people in grad school. And that was, I still didn't have a good idea of what precisely I wanted to do. Whereas almost everybody else was like, yeah, I know exactly the group that I'm going to work with. Um, or at least I know the kinds of projects that I would want to work with, work on. Um, and you know, they narrowed it down to like two groups or something like that. Uh, and this was like first day of grad school, uh, before the first day of grad school. I feel like it's um, a fake it till you make it type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like, um, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I was, <laughs> oh, you're good. I was pretty much done no, with the, um, like, I feel like I've seen this in like physics and astronomy as well. Like my undergrad where people come in and they just like act like, oh yeah, obviously, like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. I, I love this and I'm going to do this. But then, like, after two years, you, like, never hear from them ever again because they actually hated it. Yeah. <laughs> when they, like, tried yeah. to make it to convince themselves that they liked it. 
Um, then, you know, there are occasional times when like it does work out, but like, it's like a push again. I, I was mentioning earlier, it's like a push, like your sophomore year, I feel of undergrad to like start doing research in, in, in physics and astrophysics to like figure out what you like. And, um, like you're supposed to like somehow narrow it down to like a single line in a textbook by the end of your undergrad career and then just study that single line in that textbook for the next 10 years mm-hmm. like oof dude mm-hmm. ew, yeah. gross yeah. <laughs> yeah and I definitely fell into that trap too like I started doing research my sophomore year and actually a lot of my friends were like it's too early for you girl like chill but I was like no I want to like get started and see if this is something that I actually like yeah um And so I think there's a good thing about that. Maybe like there's a good thing about starting a research project that is within your capability early. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think it shouldn't be like, we shouldn't put pressure on people to do it. Like it should come from like them wanting to, like people wanting to do it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's so much pressure. Like I'm looking back even in my career, I didn't know what I really liked doing in the marketing writing world until I was like 26. Yeah, I mean, that's so much pressure. Yeah. It's like, you're still a child. What you're like 19, 20 years old. And you have to just, you have to start thinking like within the next two years, you have to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your, it's like, ah, never legally had a shot of tequila, but you're supposed to know what you want to do for your life. You don't even know (laughs) what Like, like, exactly. <laughs> honestly yeah and I feel like you know that's kind of like teetering towards like oh just issues with the education system in general but we don't have to go into that yeah yeah um, we totally could. I was just about to say the same thing Ariel <laughs> yeah So speaking of uh, problems in the education system, Ariel, you kind of touched on it earlier and I called you out. Um, Let's talk about imposter syndrome. I know this is something that we've all experienced. It's a human experience. But I want to know in that setting of, you know, trying to figure out what you're doing and trying to fake it till you make it and maybe getting these rejections during COVID or whatever that you kind of threw you off. Like how have you battled imposter syndrome? Um, well, Victoria, do you want to go first? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> I wasn't sure if Ariel was going to go first this time, but yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, imposter syndrome didn't really crop up until I went to grad school. Um, Like, throughout my undergrad, I kind of kept my head above the water with it. um, And I could at least, like, talk myself out of imposter syndrome, kind of. Um, But then I got to grad school, and all of my new grad school friends were from bigger, more prestigious schools with a lot more rigor. Um, They all had really awesome research experience. Um, They all knew the topics front and back. Um, And then things really started to ramp up when I got to like my actual classes. Um, And I struggled a lot, Um, like to the point of getting like 20% on a midterm and scored probably five points on a final. Um, 
And so I just constantly felt like I didn't belong there and that like they admitted me me by mistake. Um, And it was a very difficult feeling to shake. Um, I'm a rather data-driven person. And so having kind of like, like, oh yeah, look at my midterm grade, like I'm an imposter. (laughs) Um, You know, that was really rough for me. Um, But (laughs) um, I think a lot of it comes down to something that I'm very passionate about, which is education. Um, And the particular professor whose class I did not do well in um, at all. The other one I didn't do great in either, but that's because of COVID and various other reasons. (laughs) Um, But his education style just didn't follow a lot of good practices. Um, So it was very difficult for me to learn from him, uh, even though I had a stronger base in the subject than I did with the other class. Uh, the other class, I um, it was electricity and magnetism. And uh, when COVID hit in spring of 2020, um, classes just kind of came to a screeching halt. Yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. if Ariel and Haley, you guys remember this? Oh, yeah. Or yeah. Ariel, you were, were you out of school by then? No, I graduated end of 2020. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, classes just came to a screeching halt and, like, stopped completely. Um, and so I didn't have a very good base in electricity and magnetism, E&M. Um, so I went to my graduate-level E&M course, and he's like, oh, yeah, this is something you guys have seen before. And I was like, I've never seen that in my life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was really difficult. Um, and I think how I overcame that, really is by realizing that I am not passionate about research and grad school. (laughs) Instead, I am passionate about teaching. Um, And that is where my heart is. And I think that played a big role in my lack of success in grad school, let's say, Um, because I, I just, my heart wasn't in it. So I, I don't think that I almost was like meant to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, what about you, Ariel? I was going to like say that I genuinely feel the same way about like, I like learning on my own terms. Um, yes. Having grades almost determine like how it it feels like, especially in academia, like grades determine like how good of a person you are, you know? Yeah. Um, And like, yeah. At like at a Lowell at the observatory, like I mentioned earlier in, in college, I took maybe four or five astronomy classes, everything that I do for my job now, every single thing that I talk about, everything I I'm not an expert in, but I can talk a lot about, I've learned through and at Lowell. Um, and I've learned for fun because I like learning about it. And even more, like, I don't just love learning about these things. I love talking about it with other people. Um, and like informally, like informal science education is such a cool thing to me. I think it is so much fun, um, to be able to talk to so many people like at Lowell also like <laughs> online like through TikTok and that kind of thing. <laughs> so many people who like the same stuff I like talking about, um, 
when it comes to imposter syndrome, I experienced that. I didn't know what it was um, for most of my undergrad career. I was like, I'd be in a physics class and <laughs> Vic, there was just one person in yeah. our classes that would always <laughs> raise their hand and have the right hand. <laughs> and I'd be, I'd be like, how are they doing that? <laughs> how can they say these things so confidently? Like they know what they're talking about. Like I'm reading the same things you're reading. I'm doing the same homework assignments. You are, this stuff is not clicking for me. Um, fake it till you make it. (laughs) And like, I ended up like getting fine grades. Like I struggled a lot, but especially during research, I, I like genuinely considered like, I actually don't think physics is for me. I'm going to drop out and do psychology or something. Like I was like, this is coming to so many other people so easily. Like I had people be like, what do you mean you don't understand this? And I'm like, dude, I'm oh, freak out. I want to understand this so bad. Like, I'm not like, mm-hmm. I'm not a bad student. I'm trying to get this. My brain just, I don't understand how this is being taught. I don't understand this. I need to learn this on my own terms. And that's just not happening. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be doing this. I was one of the seven chosen out of 400 to go to this program by mistake. Like I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't even be studying this. Like every day I would have this argument in my head of like, I should just drop out. I should just drop out. Um, And then uh, (laughs) later on, I, uh, I think I told both you two, Haley and Victoria, the story about how I uh, ended up presenting that research at a AAF. Mm. And I had people come up to me and be like, oh, how far along are you in your PhD? And I was like, haha, that's a joke. You're so funny. You are so funny mm. for saying that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they'd be like, you know, like, Oh no, I work at this like big engineering company. Like we'd love to have you on. And I'd be, I would like look at them and laugh because I thought they were trying to be funny and like rude. Um, but they were, it was like, I was never told like, Oh, you are, I was never even told like, Oh, you're just doing okay. It was always like, really, really, you're really doing this right now. I like, and, and, and having people tell me that, like I internalized that as well. So anytime I would do anything in academia, I'd be like, really, you're really doing that right now. Like, Oh my gosh, you're so dumb. You're so stupid. Um, so like having people tell me like, wow, this is phenomenal. You did such a great job. Like I did not, I did not compute, um, because I thought I was so stupid. Um, so when it comes to like, (sighs) anyways, that was a whole rant. (laughs) (laughs) circle back to something that you mentioned earlier Ariel yeah um, about like learning for the fun of learning yeah so I left grad school back in May um and I was in grad school from August to May um and I was talking to one of my friends uh in May probably like I actually don't think I'd even left grad school yet officially I had just like considered it and I sort of had a job lined up um but I, so I was in the process of leaving grad school. Um, and I was just talking to him about electricity and magnetism and light. And I was telling him about how it was just waves. And I realized that without the pressure of grad school in general, 
I was excited about physics again. <laughs> like throughout my grad school career, I was just unhappy and I didn't have the same love for the subject that I have had since I was a junior in high school. Yeah. Um, and so having, without the pressure of academia, I think my love for the subject was able to come back. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of a beautiful thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's like the <clears throat> getting over imposter syndrome, it's not like an easy thing. And I don't think there's ever like, oh, I'm cured, you know? Like I, I keep slapping my legs and snapping and clapping. I'm really passionate. I'm I'm on a roll right now, so sorry picking that up. <laughs> but um, I think it was like, like talking it out with people that I trusted who understand my situation, um, and ultimately coming to terms like in myself with myself of like you're doing your best and that's the best you can do. And that's great. That's totally fine. You know, if you in your heart of hearts know that you're doing all you can and you're still living like a happy life, then like, I was, I was about to say the bad word, then screw it. You know, like, (laughs) (laughs) no, I agree completely. It's like, mm-hmm. do what makes you happy. Like, yeah. 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 At the end of the day, that's what matters. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think anybody is necessarily happy in grad school. Like you're paid pennies and you work 60 hours a week mm-hmm. and you're taking extremely difficult classes. Um, but I think the end goal is a happiness for some people, um, like eventually having a job that they'll really enjoy. Um, yeah. So I think that's, it's a bigger, um, thing too. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm not like trying to crap on grad school because some, for some people that's like, that's their life. That's their identity, you know, staying in academia, doing postdocs and, you know, continuing to, to do that is like your thing. And that is totally fine. Um, that's great. (laughs) You know, if people are into that, um, I just like, uh, I, I would like to like, at least get a master's at some point in my future. Um, I don't think I would get it in specifically physics or specifically astronomy. It would probably be something in informal science education, because like I could see myself like having a class and then like, going up to the teacher and actually having a conversation about something that they talked about in class, which I rarely ever did in my undergrad, like (laughs) having, Mm -hmm. you know, I I was talking about earlier, like grad school is basically, you know, undergrads, the whole textbook grad school is a single sentence in that textbook. Mm -hmm. Um, like I could see a single sentence pertaining to science education, especially informal And like, I could be happy talking about that and doing that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so go ahead. That's it. (laughs) Okay. So I think definitely like almost like the way to combat imposter syndrome is to like remind yourself that like 
I'm doing what makes me happy. And that's what matters at the end of the day. But also like finding that thing that doesn't just make you happy, but that you're passionate about. And I guess I had to step away from teaching because I taught for about three and a half years at Lowell uh, in the educator position. So it was informal education. Um, but I helped run the summer camps. I went to the food center. I was as involved as I could be um, because it was something that resonated with me. Um, and I didn't realize how much it did until I left and I went to grad school and started just TAing, which you don't actually do any teaching, uh, at least at CU. Um, you mostly just supervise undergrads and uh, try and help them understand physics, but they're generally just like not in it, not in their hearts, not in it, because yeah. most of them are not physics students. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I it's kind of frustrating to me that I had to take that step back to find it again. Um, but I'm glad it was only for about eight months and not longer. Yeah, absolutely. Haley, I know like you have a lot of feelings about this as you hear them talking, like what's coming up for you. Cause I know that, um, an academic burnout and imposter syndrome is something that you've sort of like touched on in our podcast before. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, like my personal experience is a little different because I actually didn't take a physics class until college. And so I went in literally not knowing anything about it. Um, and I, I was a, I was a mathlete in high school. So I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm good at math. Like we won state and everything. So I was like, okay, I could do this. Um, I know. Right. (laughs) Um, and then I moved up to Flagstaff, uh, to, live with my friend and I started going to Lowell observatory a bunch. And I was like, man, this is, this is really cool. Like I could see myself doing this. And so that's actually what led me to enroll at NAU in astronomy and physics. And then later drop out of the astronomy program, stick with physics. But, um, it was wild because I just like jumped in headfirst into university physics one. And I was like, wow, I know literally nothing. Like I had never taken calculus. I had only taken pre-calc. And so going into it with like absolutely no calculus background, no physics background, I was like, I do not belong here. And, um, going into my second semester, I ended up taking physics two and three at the same time because I actually transferred to NAU during my sophomore year of college. And so I was like behind year and I was like, I want to get this done. Like I want to get my degree. And so I took both of them at the same time. And I am so glad that I did because physics two was awful. It was so (laughs) rough. I did so bad in that class, literally like the lab for that class was great. And it was where I learned everything because the lecture, it was, um, university physics, not physics for physicists. And so it was a bunch of people who didn't care about physics. Nobody wanted to like form study groups or anything. And so I was like, cool, I know literally nothing, but then 
physics three was pretty much entirely just physics and astronomy and astrophysics majors. And so, um, I found like a little study group. We got together a bunch and, uh, physics three is about waves and optics. And that's when I started realizing like, wow, optics is so cool. I want to do this. And so I'm so glad that I ended up taking that class. But like, even after that, I just like, there were moments where, uh, like Ariel and Victoria were saying, there were moments where people were like, oh, you don't get this. And I'm like, no, I, I don't like, um, I, I felt bad and I felt like I didn't really belong there. But, um, after a while I started, um, seeing like an uptick in my grades once I finally had like a good foundation of physics. And I was like, okay, like maybe, maybe I do belong here. And it's still like, it still was very much like, oh, I'm an imposter. Like I, I don't deserve to be here, but, um, I slowly started to realize like, maybe that's not the case. Um, especially once I like, uh, got into research, I, I loved the research labs I worked in. Like research was such a good option for me. So, um, and it's not for everyone, you know, like, like we've been talking about, but personally, like the research was what really made my undergraduate career make sense, I guess. Yeah. So it was, your secret was finding something that you were enjoying to make the academic part worth it. Exactly. And it was one of those things where I was so lucky to fall into it like I did. It was actually um, one of the old educators, uh, Lisa, she uh, told, I know, I love Lisa so much. Oh, I miss her. But she was like, hey, I'm taking this 400 level optics course and um, the only prerequisite is physics three. And this was literally my third semester in the physics program. And she was like, you should take it. And I was like, what? Like, that's a 400 level class. And she was like, it's only offered, I think it's like once every two years or something. And she was like, you, you should take it. Right. And I'm so glad that I did because that class just like opened the realm of optics. And I was like, this is, this is it. This is what I want to do, you know? Yay for women. Yay for women, period. <laughs> Yay for women lifting up other women. And that's kind of what I'd, I want to talk about too, was we have a unique experience where we have all of these women in STEM here talking about academic burnout and the things that happen to lead to that. Um, how much of your imposter syndrome do you think is attributed to being the minority gender in the room? Um, with, with my undergrad classes, I actually feel like it was split pretty 50, 50. Like I know, I don't know. I feel like it was, I didn't pay much attention to it. Uh, until research. <laughs> yeah. Research yeah. is when like, it, it sucks. Cause like research is when like, Oh, things started actually clicking and making the most sense. But then <laughs> research is also when I became aware of my own, of being a woman, um, <laughs> in, uh, being a woman in STEM. Um, yeah. so I don't know. Yeah. Victoria. Yeah. So, um, I think Ariel and I were actually in a lot of the same classes. 
um, in undergrad. Um, and I had the same experience. Like I didn't really feel singled out as a woman. And I think there were a considerable amount of women in our uh, undergrad physics classes, yeah. uh, like in the department at NAU. Um, but really for me, it came in in my second semester of grad school. Um, I was taking this optics lab and I took it because I was like, okay, I'm planning on doing research in optics and I, um, and I can't handle these theory classes. Uh, because basically all the classes that you take uh, in a degree for physics or astronomy are just theory. So it's like, this is what happens in a perfect vacuum. And when you have two charges that are infinite, infinitely far apart, um, which bothers me. But anyways, I was like, I'm going to take a lab class, uh, which are few and far between in grad school. Um, and so I took this lab and it was actually in the electrical engineering department. Um, and the professor was never like outrightly sexist and none of the other men in the, um, in the class were either. In fact, one of them is a lovely person. I'm good friends with him. He went to NAU. Um, but there was something about me being one of very few women in this class. Um, and all the men kind of acting like they're very, very smart. Um, and like acting like they know everything. As men are and granted, you. they did know a lot more <laughs> than I did. Um, but I... It was just an ex a different experience for me to be the only woman or one of the only women. There were a couple of others um, surrounded by all these men and who would switch up lab partners who so would have to work with them. And maybe it was just the imposter syndrome, um, but I always felt like every question I asked was a stupid question and that they were looking down on me. Um, and this was also uh, generally a 12 to 14 hour lab. Yeah. Ew. Because grad school is insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I just felt like they weren't as understanding either and like didn't fully understand what we experience as women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that might have been um, the issue as well with my <clears throat> research experience because it was an electrical engineering, pretty much an electrical engineering um, um, lab. It was like a space, or what is it, Earth-based space physics lab. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I was one of the only women in there. Um, and... Uh, yeah, the feeling of like, I'd ask a question and someone would straight up be like, they'd go some roundabout way of answering something and then be like, did you get that? Did you understand that? It's like, dude. Ugh. But yeah, like the, the condescendingness. Yeah. Haley, um, what about you? I know you've talked about this on an episode a little bit before, but um yeah, tell us about your experience. It's actually crazy. Uh, me, Victoria, 
Victoria and Ariel, I just like mushed your guys' names together. <laughs> um, me, Victoria, and Ariel, we all went to the same college. Um, I was a year ahead, I believe. So I didn't have a ton of classes with them. But in my cohort, there were very few women. Hmm. Um, yeah, I I don't know. There were there were very few women, and maybe it was just because like I was really paying attention, like looking at the fact that it was like, oh, okay, there's like Rachel and um, yes. <laughs> like three other women, and that's like it. Um, and so it was definitely one of those things where it was like, okay, so I am in the the minority gender here, so that's interesting, and. Um, and there was one specific professor who I'm not going to name names or anything, but um, I was in this study group with uh, two guys and we would, you know, do our homework together, everything. We would um, come up with pretty much the same answers. We weren't like copying off of each other or anything. But when we turned it in, I would get a lower score every single time. And I was like, OK, because the first few times it happens, it's like, OK, maybe I like wrote something down wrong. I don't know. But it happened every single time. And I was like, okay. And I had multiple classes with that professor and it happened in every single class. And I was like, okay, that's not cool. And I started talking to some of the other women who had taken his classes, um, like before I did or with me. And they were like, yeah, no, the same thing happened to me. And I'm like, okay, cool. Good to know. Um, so that was kind of frustrating. And, um, it was, insane. When I went to grad school, I started in the PhD program and I was the only woman in my cohort, like literally the only one. So it was a little weird to, to be in that kind of a situation. Like I had been in classrooms where there were fewer women than men, but the fact that I was literally the only woman in every single one of my PhD classes, except for like, I think like two, where it was not just my cohort, but the cohort before me as well. Um, that was kind of discouraging. So I think, yeah, um, the whole, the whole imposter syndrome, especially in that one professor's class, it, it very much, uh, was, you know, because I was a woman in that class and I was getting worse grades on literally everything. So, yeah. 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 And I have another anecdote about being a woman in STEM. And that is, it's not directly related to imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. um, but it's how men like just perceive you. And like, this was in my research group during undergrad. Um, but uh, I was the only woman. Um, and at the time I was one of two undergrads. Uh, the other undergrad was several years older than me. Um, and most of the grad students were even older than me, than, even older than him. Um, and I ran into this situation where another, one of the grad students was basically, we worked on the same project um, and he was making comments about me behind my back, um, not mean, in fact, they were complimentary, <laughs> um, but, it was obvious to me that he did not see me as like a fully fledged person um, or an equal or even like equal to my other undergrad friend in the lab. 
Um, instead, he saw me in a different lens, uh, which was incredibly uncomfortable for me. Um, luckily, I think um, my PI was made aware of this, and I believe he and he moved him to a different project. Um, That's wildly. So we no longer have as much contact. Ew. Yeah, it was such an uncomfortable situation. Oh, it's so cringy. <laughs> God. So, like, did that make you feel weird for the rest of the class, or did you just kind of, like, brush it off? It definitely made me feel weird until he, like, really took a step back, the grad student. Um, like, I think, like, before all of that happened, I was seeing him almost every single day I was in the lab. Um, he was always very nice to me, to my face. And, um, but after that, I started seeing him like once a week. And then after that, it was like once a month. So it, it got a little better after that once like he was moved to a different project. And I think, I don't know for sure um, what exactly happened on his end, but all I know is I stopped having as much contact with him. And I think that may have been due to other men standing up for me, um, which I am very thankful for. Um, and in fact, that should be the norm. Like, you know, if you see someone who is being, you know, taken advantage of in some way, um, and they don't have the voice to stand up for themselves, you know, be a good person and stand up for them. If, if you are able to Yeah, be a good person in general. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? Yeah. (laughs) Insane concept. Yeah, yeah, but I think I go back to like <laughs> men not necessarily seeing women as equals in science, like even subconsciously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we talked about imposter syndrome. Um, I do want to touch on academic burnout because I think this is something that doesn't really get talked about enough. And, uh, this is like the main reason I wanted to do this episode because I want to raise awareness and, um, me, Victoria and Ariel, we were pretty close in undergrad. We went to the conference for undergraduate women in physics, um, in Utah together. Woo time. Um, and I've had conversations with both of you, uh, kind of about this, but, um, when, uh, I had academic burnout, I know, um, I had to kind of like step away from everything. I, um, needed to just like get my head straight. So, um, I did things like I didn't do over the summer, uh, research just because like I needed a break from things I needed to, you know, just like work, especially cause I didn't really have very many scholarships. I was kind of like putting myself through college for the most part. So I had to like kind of step back, but, um, I was wondering, you know, we've, we've had some similar yet very different college experiences, the three of us. So, um, I was wondering kind of like, what did you guys do when you experienced academic burnout? Um, Vic or Victoria, what, what did you do? Um, so <laughs> I did not take a good course of action. You don't right. fall in my yeah. Um, so I started feeling burned out around my senior year of undergrad. Um, and I was briefly revived by my quantum two class, um, because the professor who teaches it 
is amazing. She's wonderful. She's a wonderful teacher. She puts a lot of effort into teaching, and it made me excited about the topic again. We um, love Inez. We stand Inez. Yes. Yeah, she's so sweet, too. Mm-hmm. Um, wonderful, wonderful human. 100%. Um, but I was still feeling pretty burnt out, especially with my other class, which was my thermodynamics class. Um, and it was just a lot of work. And the professor was rather gentle with us. And he, like, took into account that it was basically all seniors in the class and we were all probably burnt out. Um, But especially the semester before that, I was feeling really burnt out too. And I was just tired and unmotivated and the imposter syndrome was, was rearing its head. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, I did not take a good course of action. I was like, I'm going to go to grad school. Mm-hmm. Same. <laughs> I was surprised. That did not solve the burnout issue. Yeah. Um, actually, made in it fact, worse. arriving at grad it school. made it so much worse. Out, yeah, it made it so much worse. <laughs> um, so, yeah, arriving at grad school burnt out is not a way to set yourself up for success. Um, and, in fact, the couple of friends that I think are of mine that are really succeeding in grad school actually took at least a year off um, where they just didn't do anything. Uh, One taught uh, at her university for a year and another was working in a research lab. And both of them were really enjoying what they were doing. Um, I think that's the key point. Um, And both of them were like, oh, wow, I'm so impressed that you're just like jumping into grad school. Um, But like I said, it didn't serve me well. Um, like I struggled a lot in my classes. I had a lot of trouble focusing. My, my mental health as a whole was not very good. Um, and I think that played a big role in it. Um, just the fact that even with school removed from the situation, my mental health was not good. Um, I think that definitely contributed to it. And that's something that we should be paying more attention to, I think. Um, Yeah. Like, students have issues that aren't always caused by school. Um, And we need to be able to help them in the best way possible. Um, And I use counseling and psychiatric services. I am very appreciative of what they're trying to do. But it's so difficult. Um, when I was seeing a counselor there, I would see her about once a month. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was not enough to be effective for me. Um, like I, uh, you know, never really, that didn't really help my mental health to be seeing a therapist that infrequently. Um, and so I think like as schools, we could definitely, you know, provide more support for students, um, who are suffering from other reasons and from school. Putting more money into mental health resources. Absolutely. I I know you and probably a dozen other people who were put on a wait list for like six months Mm -hmm. to see if someone maybe once a month is like, oh, yeah, you know, we got to. That's insane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. Crazy. And Um, and especially like being a student, like if you have like a, the student health care, 
that's the only healthcare that you have. So you yeah. only afford it through the college. Um, unless you want to pay, you know, $300 a session every week, you know, somewhere else in town, which, you know, I feel like college is a full-time job, um, mentally, emotionally, and physically. <laughs> yeah. Even with a full-time job, that's a really big chunk of money. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm, Literally, I think I like blacked out when I gave my answer because Vic or Victoria talking made me realize that I totally lied. I took summer classes and winter classes, so I did not do I did not do what I told you guys I did. (laughs) I was sitting here thinking about it. I was like, wait a second. What did I say? (laughs) Black that part of your life out, Haley. I genuinely did. I I fully forgot about summer. Yeah. Um, but I did the exact same thing, Victoria. I went straight into grad school and it was one of those things where like, I felt pressured to go straight into grad school. And, um, I graduated in spring of 2020. That is like when COVID started. And so I went into grad school fall 2020 and everything was such a hot mess. It was like, things were, um, like half online, half in person. I was teaching intro physics labs, half online, half in person. And it was just, it was wrecking my mental health. I like physically could not function. I mean, like Ariel was there for this. Like she saw me just like breaking down every day. I was having my academic burnout as well. (laughs) I I went to grad school too. I would be in her house. I would like be doing, I'd, I'd finish classes. I'd go to Haley's house to finish homework. She'd be doing a homework or, or having some zoom call in her room. I'd yeah. be in her kitchen doing homework, uh-huh. go to sleep in her house and then wake up in the morning. And then like in our PJs, just go into our zoom meetings for our classes the next day. Exactly. Um, so I think we would like, just like have panic attacks together. Yeah, just like, dude. okay, cool. This is, awful like experiencing <laughs> burnout during covid was probably i'm not it, it, like it was very bad I, academic burnout in general is just not a good feeling um but having to like like you don't have like the humans <laughs> the normal mm-hmm. amount of humans to like express feelings to or anything oh, yeah. so it was like during covid it's like dude i'm stuck in this bubble and i want to n- not be healthy right now um yeah <laughs> and that's exactly what i did where like yeah my experience with academic burnout was like um i think i i, I caught it probably right before covid started i think that was like one of my three semesters of my quote-unquote senior year Mm -hmm. um and like I'm like this sucks this is awful I like I just I wanted I wanted like just a week break I just wanted to take my brain out unravel all the little Mm -hmm. chicken breast bits (laughs) rope them up smack them against a wall and then put them all back in my brain um yeah and I needed a week to recover but you couldn't just you you can't just tell a professor like hey I'm I have to take a week off because then like your grades are going to tank. So Mm -hmm. like my coping mechanism was like, all right, you just don't sleep. You know, you just work at this observatory um, because you have to make money to survive. (laughs) Nothing against 
territory. My job actually was like the one thing keeping me sane. Like going into Lowell, like I would tell our supervisor, uh, Kevin White, I don't know if he's ever been on here before, but uh, (laughs) I would tell him like, I love coming into work because like, this is my escape. Like this, like, it feels so good to not have to worry about stupid integrals or whatever I have to do after work. This is like, I just get to do this. Uh, and then, you know, I'd get off work at 10 PM and I'd have two hours to finish all my homework assignments that were due that day. And then, um, you know, I'd probably go to bed at 4 AM cause I had all this other stuff to read and whatever. I'd wake up at seven and do it all again the next day. I'd forget to eat for two days <laughs> because it's like, Oh, you know, like I also grew like my, my, uh, I don't know, uh, growing up. Um, I was like the firstborn kid and like the first generation college student. And my, so my parents hadn't gone. So they're like, Oh, grades are the most important thing. And it's not like I'd like really get in trouble for not getting great grades. Cause I never got below a B like in my elementary and high school career. Um, but like, you know, having like a grade teeter on like a 79 and an 80 in college to me, like that was like the worst thing in the world. Um, so it's like, then my, you know, that would, and that started happening like around my senior year when the academic burnout started happening and I'm like, ah, like there's no winning. Like, how do I, how how do I do this? You just have to go through it. Like, there's no, like I'm cured, you know? I think that's one of the issues with like grad school specifically is like, in my case, I was getting paid to teach these intro physics labs. So I had no break. Like literally everything I did was surrounded, uh, or like was entirely involved in academia. And like, they made me quit my job at Lowell, which I love my job at Lowell. I mean, I started in 2017, spring of 2017. And so, um, just having absolutely no break from just that, like o- only academia was really rough, really, really rough. Yeah, I remember your, I like walked into your house and you were so upset in your room and you told me you had to quit Lowell to go to grad school. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. We were both just like crying on my bed as I was writing my two weeks notice. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Ariel were just sitting there like crying as I'm writing my two weeks notice to Lowell. Like it was, it was a really rough time. But she's back now. I'm back. Round two. Round two. (laughs) I think think, uh, Haley's experience is similar to Victoria's where, like, uh, you know, um, taking a step back from the the teaching and the the science education, like, made you realize how much it meant, like, how important it was. And I think there's another important piece to it. Like I, I always try and take the perspective, like every experience is going to teach you something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what being in grad school taught me is not only that I love education, but that physics education research is a thing. Mm-hmm. And I briefly considered doing it. Um, but the problem was I had some specific projects in mind and, um, and they didn't have funding for those specific projects. In fact, they were like, nobody's ever done this before. Because I wanted to study how preschoolers um, study physics, which is oh. what I did at Lowell, basically. And they were like, what? 
cute. I was like, yeah, preschoolers can learn physics and they do it really well. Um, and I want to prove that. Um, but they were like, uh, we don't have funding for that. So can you like study how uh, fourth year uh, seniors in college study quantum mechanics? And I was just like, I'm not passionate about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I ended up like, I'm going to teach high school. Um, but I think that I realized from that experience that like I, that like there are people out there who are doing this research um, and I can look at it and I can like read it and I can apply it to my classroom. Um, And that I think is a good thing that another good thing that came out of uh, going to grad school for me. Um, Even though like along the way I was like crying for two hours every day or something like that. Yeah. So really quickly in like, cause we're actually almost out of time, but I want to be sure that we end with something, I guess, useful for everyone who's listening and totally identifying with what you guys are saying. What is a quick word of advice that you would give someone who's experiencing academic burnout or identifying with the stories that you've told today? And we'll start with Victoria. Um, so the first one I think is stand up for yourself. Um, a second is take a break, um, like take a semester off if you can. Um, and don't be afraid to step back completely either. Um, and the third is just whatever you do, do it with passion. Yeah. Especially I feel like passion is such like talking to other people. It's like, Oh, passion's like a cringy buzzword, but like, how else would you say it? Like you wake up in the morning happy because you're about to go do something that you love, you know? And like with academic burnout, like, yeah, you know, there's going to be a couple classes that are just the absolute worst, but they're required for your degree and you just got to get through them. And then when you get through them, that's it. You know, there's like a huge weight lifted off your chest when you do end up finishing it. There's definitely healthy ways to go about living through academic burnout. I think, you know, like (laughs) therapy or like having people around to like express, like, I feel awful. And it's almost comforting to have a group of people who are like, I don't feel good either. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm not a psychopath. Like, I'm not just stupid. Like, (laughs) I'm not dumb for thinking this way. Um, Having a support group in general. Um, going back to what Vic, Victoria said about standing up for yourself, it's like, um, if you can't stand up for yourself, you have people that know where you are and they can stand up for you. Um, break thing as well. Like, you know, for a while I was like really upset that I didn't get any, didn't get into grad school. Um, it it would have been like, I would have a semester off and then I'd go straight into grad school. I'm glad I've had all this time off because I've been able to experience things that I wouldn't have experienced in life. If I was in grad school, I've been able to grow as a person and I've been able to really pinpoint what I will enjoy and what I do enjoy right now. And Haley, what, what are your thoughts for Uh, someone who's experiencing this right now. Yeah. I mean, everything Ariel and Victoria said, it, it's a hundred percent true. And, uh, I know this is like 
really hard to do because like academic burnout is kind of if it's looked at as almost like a taboo topic but like get yourself a a group of people like a study group or your friends anything anything and just like figure out a way to just kind of slip in like ooh this is this is not going well like i don't really understand that because like 9 times out of 10 they're feeling the same way, you know, well, like there's someone um, who does get it and they can explain it in a way that's not hostile. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Not condescending. Yeah. 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 It was really nice. Like I happened upon a really good group of, uh, group of guys who we each had our own thing that we were passionate about. And so when we were in a class talking about something like that, then, um, like it was really nice because we each had, um, like an area of specialty, I guess I would call it where if two of us didn't understand what was going on, chances were the third person did, you know? So finding that group of people, uh, very important, finding someone to talk to, whether that's like a therapist or something like that. I know it's really hard to get in, especially like college counseling and stuff, but, um, yeah, that, that would be my word of advice is just like find that group of people who, you can reach out to, you know, fight in. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm glad that at least it sounds like you guys had each other through this, what sounds like a terrifying experience, but you all <laughs> got on the other side of it. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, just like, thank God for women. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> women. Yeah. women yeah. are great. Women are amazing. Women are and great. we are out of time. Oh, um, yes. But what a dope conversation. Honestly, uh, like you are three of my favorite people in, on this entire planet. So having this conversation with you guys has just been so great. Like it's so awesome. kind of therapeutic. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like genuinely, Victoria, like we've talked about this stuff, but I didn't realize like how on the same wavelength we actually were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I guess I hit it well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but, I don't know. I feel like everyone expected me to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we are completely out of time. So I just want to remind all of our listeners out there. Uh, we do have our Discord channel and a Twitter where you guys uh, can see some cool behind the scenes content. You can ask us questions, uh, all kinds of stuff. We're pretty good about replying pretty quickly. And um, you can also use the hashtag AskStarStuff and um, ask us any questions about life, the universe, and everything. So uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. Uh, If you made it to the end, welcome to the club, I guess. (laughs) All right. bye. 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 This podcast was made possible by our members and donors. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support our nonprofit in making more digital education like this available, go to lowell.edu slash donate. Thanks for listening.